Welcome to the British American Football Coaches Association podcast, a resource designed to support both British football coaches and coaches from around the world. This podcast features special guests discussing techniques, scheme, philosophies and culture for the sport of American football to help develop and grow the game worldwide. Now here's your host, Adam Lillis. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast. We will be shortly be talking to Coach Cody Alexander about the quarters defence. Before then, I would like to make a quick note to mention that the previous five episodes were recorded and produced prior to the coronavirus pandemic and therefore included information regarding the BAFCA Convention in July. BAFCA will provide information on the status of the convention nearer the time and in the meantime, I encourage all coaches to stay home and stay safe during this difficult time. I also want to say a big thanks for the positive feedback that the podcast has been receiving so far. As usual, subscribe and follow the podcast and share with your coaching contacts to ensure you do not miss out on future episodes. Now, time for Coach Alexander. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Adam Lillis. I'm delighted to be joined today by Coach Cody Alexander, who has over 10 years experience coaching at the college and high school levels. He is currently the secondaries coach at Midlothian High School in South Dallas, Texas, and is the author of the matchquarters.com website and several coaching books. Coach, I'm delighted to have you on the show. How are you doing? Yeah, doing great. Glad to be here. Excellent. Um, so I always like to start with a little introduction before we get into the, the nuts and bolts. So why don't you... Uh, tell the listeners about your coaching journey, how you got involved in coaching, where you've coached and uh, how you got to the current day. Yeah. So um, my father was a coach growing up. And so I've kind of always had a love for football. So we've kind of always connected on that. And so I knew that's what I wanted to do after I graduated college. I played college football at a small college in Oklahoma. And then once I was done there, I started coaching uh, high school at a, at a local uh, school in uh, northern Oklahoma City. And I, I kind of felt a little unfulfilled, like I wanted a little bit more. And so um, I moved to, to Texas and got the first high school job I can get uh, just because I wanted to be part of that Texas football culture. And, and I, after that, I, I still kind of had the itch that I wanted to coach college. So uh, if you've read my first book, Cautious Aggression, I kind of go through it at the very beginning of how I became um, the defensive graduate assistant at Baylor. I uh, was lucky enough to be there for three really fantastic years. Really, I was there for the the three years where Art Bryles got that thing flipped and, and we started winning some games and then the first Big 12 uh, championship. Uh, from there, I went back to the high school level and, and that's where I've kind of been since, you know, really running the secondary everywhere I've been. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm I'm known for is talking about quarters. Excellent. And you talked about Baylor and we're talking about high school level now. I I liken the game in the UK, even though it's, you know, we're talking about much older uh, players and coaches, but we are very much at a very high school level in the sense that I imagine that we have similar challenges and opportunities that high school um football programs have would you like to share maybe some of the challenges that you've had at high school level um, in terms of recruitment practice planning the type of athletes that you get and the sort of solutions that you've come up with to to overcome them yeah so 
I've never been, uh, I, I have never had a division one athlete. I know everybody thinks Texas, we all have like these division one athletes at every school. Um, I've never had the, uh, pleasure of, of being able to coach one in the back end. I've, I've worked with and coached several that have gone on, um, but not never directly in the secondary. And so at the high school level, you kind of get what you get and you have to be able to teach it from year to year. And then also be able to mold your, techniques and your your coverage schemes and do you add this year do you subtract this year just depending on who you have in the back end um, when I went to Midlothian I had no expectations program really had never been successful um, and I was able to walk in in the first day I've got two freshmen and a sophomore and so for the last three years really it has been you know such a pleasure because one they're great kids they're great football players and they just want to learn and they just want to be be better and so kind of developing um kind of that pedagogy part of of my game as a coach and and being better and and just kind of you know when do I add when do I subtract and and that has been fun for the last three years and how how do you approach that recruitment of because presumably you're recruiting from campus and you're just trying to find uh players that fit the team what sort of ways are you trying to get those right athletes and sort of the more athletic players in on campus to come and play football for you and get them involved in your program yeah and I, I think that a lot of it has to do with school culture I've been to places where um, football is really important I've been to places where football is kind of an afterthought even you would think in Texas that's not the case but uh, in, in certain areas you know football just isn't that important um, and I think really the, it comes down to relationships and building relationships with the players and, and talking to them about things other than football, you know, um, talking, you know, getting to know them and being somebody that, that kids want to play uh, for. And, and, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm that kind of a coach too. And, and the kids that I work with and that I'm in the school that I'm at on the school day, I want them to kind of see me as somebody, you know, and, and kind of be that beacon of light, you know, give them something more. Cause a lot of kids these days, they have so many different choices that they can do. Um, and it football may not necessarily be their, their love and their passion, like it is for, for me, for instance. And so, you know, if I just all the time talk about football, then I'm just kind of, I'm not really seeing them anything other than a pawn. And I, and I've never wanted to be that kind of a coach. And I think, in terms of recruitment for your program and just to, to get kids to come out and the best athletes is, is one, you've got to be able to find a way to win. And I know that that's difficult. And I know that, you know, we talk as coaches, we talk about all the time of like, uh, you know, winning isn't everything, but if, if you can even at least get remote success and I, you know, that Midlothian is, is kind of been that for me is like, we didn't have any success. And the moment we have success and we start, you know, challenging some of these better teams and then finally beating these better teams, you know, it was kind of like this light bulb went on in the hallways and now kids want to be a part of it and they want to be a part of something. I really still think that kids are kids no different than you and I, that they want to be a part of something more. And if you can give them that and you can give them that family atmosphere and that camaraderie, because to me, I've never met a kid that's quit football and was like, yeah, that was the best decision I've ever made. Everybody and every kid that I've ever dealt with that has quit has always come back and says, coach, I really miss it. And I, I wish I wouldn't have quit. Um, and so for me, it's like just getting those kids to have that taste of what it feels like 
uh, and then, you know, obviously making it fun for them. And, and, and that has to do with the, that's on the coach and the way that you teach things and the way that you make it fun and, and building that camaraderie and relationship. Yeah, and that's perfect. And I think that's sometimes over, over here in the UK, we only have practices maybe once or twice a week. And as you were alluding to, players have lo- lots of different priorities. So sometimes I think for us especially, we are just focused on that one or two practices a week and it's all about football and we forget about the the relationship side of things. So, I mean, that's that's relevant regardless of whatever level you coach at, I believe. Right, but I would say this. I think you all have a better advantage than we do because of uh, the the way that soccer, so football, is structured is so much more about small side games and, and working your techniques within game, these, these small games and, and kind of that way. And I think here in the United States, we're more of so rigid in football. Sometimes we forget that these drills with long lines and these kids are standing around. And I feel like if you could mold some of these small side games that you see in rugby and, and soccer and kind of mold that into the American football practices, and find ways to get more kids involved and that they're moving around and they're not standing around. I think that to me is something that you can use is, yeah, you may not have the football knowledge and experience, but you have that practice that y'all grew up with and cultural, that cultural identity of kind of using these small side games to work with each other. And I think that is kind of an advantage and I would really encourage you guys to tap into that. That's a fantastic point, Coach. And that I know some programs are doing these um, smaller structured areas of practice. Like you normally have your run inside run skelly, you have your pass skelly. But I know, you know, Florida, for example, at Division One level, they do half pass, so just one half of the field, one side of the football, doing three versus two and that type of thing, and build it up. Are there similar th- techniques or things that you've implemented? that perhaps challenge that rigidity that you talked about? Yeah. So even in, um, I coach secondary. So how can I get these kids to work their technique, but also work scheme at the same time? So I do a lot of two versus two and run routes, uh, against each other. Uh, and we match and they've got to communicate and they've got to decipher what coverage we're in and then match the route combination and then kind of talk, talk afterwards about, Hey, what, what did you see? Why did we do this? It was good or it was bad. Um, and I think now you're using four people every time. Well, you know, in a secondary group, I think at the most, when I have my JV and freshman kids all together, I think I may have like 16 kids. So, I mean, if you think about that, that's four times and we've hit, everybody has been able to go. Uh, and there's not a lot of standing around. And I think if you can find things like that of using multiple people uh, at the same time and getting those guys involved, I think once you do that and you start rapid firing it and be able to, to, you know, get your verbiage down to where you can use some hot words. Um, I think that's kind of the key to doing that. Excellent. So I'm, I'm keen to, before we start getting into the the quarters coverage, um, and quarters defense, uh, I want to tap into your time at Bailey University, your graduate assistant. What are some of the experiences or um, learnings that you took from that that have influenced you, your career going forward? I just think learning how to deal under pressure uh, and getting basically a doctorate in football. I mean, I, I was so blessed to work under Phil Bennett, who 
um, probably doesn't get enough credit around the country for kind of the way that he's coached defense. I know he gets called all the time by a bunch of different people. I think people would be really surprised at how influential he is, you know, just, but as a national media, you don't hear about him. Uh, But the attention to detail, being a professional, working under a pressure filled environment and just kind of, you know, you know, iron sharpens iron and just when you're hot and, and just being molded into kind of a, a, you know, somebody that can withstand pressure and, and do that. I think that to me was kind of the biggest thing, you know, outside of just learning how to to run a defense and, and the things that you should look for and uh, opponent breakdown, um, working for coach Bryles too, of just, you know, seeing one of the best offensive play callers ever, and in one of the most explosive offenses ever and being able to watch that on a daily basis and trying to figure out ways to defend it, it just kind of gives you a different perspective on football. Um, and to me, you know, coach Bryle said in a meeting one time that if we're going to be the same, then we better be the best. If we're going to do what everybody else is doing, then we better be the best and we better have the best kids. And if we can't do that, then we're going to be different and we're going to be really good at what we're doing. Um, and, and I've always, that's kind of always stood out to me of, of, you know, it's okay to be different and you don't have to be the same and look, look at things objectively and look at things in a different way. And I think for me being kind of an outside of the box and looking in, I think that's always helped me in my coaching career. Sure. And just, I know we're going to be talking defense, but just your comment about coach Bryles and the offense and how explosive it was and seeing that on a daily, daily basis, not necessarily scheme per se, but was there, what were some of the things that he was doing at practices, uh, just around the football program in general, that really separated him from and the program from from other teams. Um, I think he the way that he treated the players, uh, I think, is important. Um, of not just you know worrying about because we were so fast and tempoed that worrying about their you know physical well being and keeping them healthy and fresh so that at the end of the year that we were ready to go, not necessarily just grinding through a season. I think that that's kind of a I think there's a misnomer in football of that you have to grind to be tough. Um, I think toughness is a mental aspect of the game. It's not a physical one. And so by grinding and you're, you're making yourself physically uh, worn down, well, we all know fatigue will make you a coward really quick. Um, and so understanding that part of it, um, the emphasis of speed uh, and explosiveness, um, I think there's also an overemphasis in football on strength and there's less of an emphasis on speed and power. Um, you know, it's simple physics. Like if you're, if you're faster and more powerful, then you're probably going to end up, you know, it doesn't matter what size you are. You're probably going to end up knocking the other person down. I think that that's kind of a, um, one of those things that he was ahead of the game, especially in the weight room uh, with Kaz Kazadi, who's now at, at Southern Methodist here in Dallas. So I think those, those two big things in terms of program, uh, or something that's always kind of stuck with me. Excellent. So let's get into it. So the your your website matchquarters.com. We're going to be talking about this defense today. For those listeners that may not have any experience at all with quarters, and I, I think the common misconception is quarters coverage is is a prevent coverage. It's a long down and distance coverage, which I know you're about to say that it's not. Um, perhaps you could just give to start with sort of a very high level overview of what you consider to be a quarters coverage defense 
and what some of the responsibilities that the players would have inside of that. Yeah, so if you're thinking of like old school Madden of the quarter, 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 like you got two safeties on a hash, you got two corners on the numbers and they're just kind of on rails and they're just going back uh, and then you've got a guy cutting the flat and a guy cutting the hook. I mean, I think um, that is what we call country coverage. Uh, so the old school country coverage cover four, that's not what I'm talking about. So in match quarters or any kind of like a zone match scheme or man match scheme. So there, the zone match just means that we're going to have zone eyes. It's going to fit like zone, but we're going to end up matching the man that ends up coming into our zone In man matches. You have rules. And once those receivers switch, then we've got them man to man. And so for me at the high school level, we basically play zone match. I think man match is a little bit more technical and you really need guys that can play man. Uh, it changes the way you fit things and changes the way that you structure defense. But in terms of just keeping it um, as simple as possible, match coverage just means that we're going to play zone until the receivers switch. And then once they switch, we're going to play man. Um, and the underneath men are going to have more of a zone principle. So your, out, your linebackers will have more of a zone principle. Uh, they're not going to carry a guy um, all the way up the field. They're going to kind of settle down at 10 to 12 yards like we're all used to, but we're not dropping to a spot. Um, you'll hear it all the time here in the United States, especially from quarters coaches, that grass has never scored a touchdown. Um, so if we're just co we're covering grass or we're just cutting to uh, – a landmark those landmarks aren't the ones that are catching the ball and running with it so we want to always uh disrupt um the the guys trying to catch the ball um and there's two really two variations of it you have the quarters which is your cover four concept and then you have your cover two which is your read two stuff um and we run both we run both and and we use both and the way that I do it is a little bit different. A lot of people pick one and that's what they stick with and they don't really ever change it. Um, I, we build our defense on splits of the receivers. So the, the closer they get, we're going to change to a cover two scheme because we're going to get the natural switch or we're going to get a high low from the, from the two receivers, meaning someone's going to go low, someone's going to go high. Um, and in quarters, the intermediate player or the, if the guy that's kind of the, the one in the middle is a safety. Um, and so we call that sky to tell, Hey, I'm the, I'm the one that's going to stay on top of number two. Uh, we're going to double the post, but the safety is going to be underneath of it. The corner basically has all a number one. And I tell the guys all the time that when we play quarters, it's basically a safe man, uh, with a rule. It's man with rules. Um, as the receivers get closer, that's when you start seeing the, the rubs and the high lows and the, and, and they're trying to get you on different levels. So in cover two or to read, uh, what I call cloud. So now the corner has become the intermediate player. And why I call that the intermediate player is because if three were to push from the backfield, so the running back pushes through the backfield, the linebackers are going to take the back and the secondary is going to defend the receivers. And so um, that's a, a, a good way or a way that I teach of differentiating the structure of it. Uh, so that is the safety has kind of the, the deepest, the deepest route. And if somebody were to push out, the corner's going to jump it. Now, it's a little different because, again, like at Madden or in some of these country coverages, that corner's going to fall off at some point, and he's, and he's not going to carry that vertical of one if two's going vertical. So cause that's the next question that I always get is, well, what if one and two both go vertical? Well, 
it's match coverage. So if two goes vertical, two goes in, uh, the corner's going to have number one. He's going to lock on him. I tell the kids all the time that if two were to go in, man, it makes it really easy for you because it's, just, it's man coverage for you because you only have two if he comes out. Uh, and so those are the two variations uh, that we run. And then off of that, we have a ton of different techniques and tags and ways of making it look as different as possible and, and that we're not just running uh, static coverages. Sure. And I'll, I want to get into your defensive backfield and some of the things that you do with them in terms of uh, practices and things like that. But just in case this is a question some of our listeners might have, is this coverage something that you have to run religiously with a specific front, say the four three, or can you run it with any front that you would like? Yeah, I don't, there's a, there is a group of coaches and I don't know where this has come from that believe that if you run a three down, you have to run cover three. Um, and I think that has to do with the three, four structure of you're going to send a fourth rusher every time. And they feel like because you sent a four rush fourth rusher, you have to replace that guy from the secondary. And that's, if you send four, you still have your cover seven principles. You still have seven, seven guys on the field. So your four, three coverages mesh with a three, four. Um, so to me, I think that's a little bit of a misnomer and something that I've never understood because here in the state of Texas, I think a majority of schools are running some form of three, four cover two. I mean, when I first got out of college and I started coaching back here in Texas, I mean, everybody's running the tight front cover two. And this was like, I mean, this is 2014, 20, 2015. So this hasn't even the, the time when the tight front started becoming real big in 2017. I mean, I even wrote about the tight front and match quarters in 2016. And so uh, then it got kind of big in 17, 18, everybody's doing it at night. You know, now everybody's kind of run it for a couple of years. Um, and so it's not as pop, it's not as popular to talk about. Um, but I don't think the quarters, as long as you have four secondary players and you have three underneath, you can run quarters coverage. Sure. And in terms of, uh, before we get into the coverage side of things a bit more, when we talk about the run fits, is that something that's pretty locked in that you're, for example, if you have your safeties as your force players, is that the same way every time or will that change depending on what kind of uh, front that you run? Right. So I change, I'm a little different in my teaching though. So, Sky doesn't necessarily mean force. It just means that, you know, you try and use your overhangs, which are the men right outside the box, your force players. You've got, if you're going to play quarters, you've got to manipulate who that force player is because you're asking those safeties to play from what I call the table. We're not going to sink them down. That to me is a cover three principle. And so it kind of a, it changes the way that you're going to have to fit things just in terms of who your force player is. I think the other thing that you need to remember too is, is with RPOs um, and where the running back is, is that the overhang to the running back needs to be out of the box fit. He can still be a force player. Like if you get quarterback stretch or you get jet motion, but in terms of being in an actual box fit that he's got to fold into the box, I think that that's something that um, you need to really take a critical look at because if you're in, involving him in the fit, then now you're going to get the RPO, the simple RPOs, because you're not going to have an overhang. Um, so uh, in terms of that, you know, really the only time the safety really is, is put into some pressure is, is when you have like a, a three by one formation and the backside safety and split field coverage is technically your forced player. So he's got to take, he's got to play from the table. Uh, so basically he's going to play from 10 yards down. 
Um, but if you structure your front the right way, you should be able to kind of create some roadblocks to help that safety not necessarily have to play in the A gap or have to play in an actual gap and really be a quick force. So ho hopefully that makes sense. No, absolutely. No, that's perfect. Um, so let's talk about our corners and safeties then. So they're playing quarters. What sort of techniques and alignment are you expecting them to have? Are they outside shade, inside shade, head up? Are they open-hipped? Um, what sort of things are you asking them to do? Yeah, so a lot of people run when it's zone, you play outside leverage. When it's man, you play inside leverage. We try because we're playing match coverage. We're trying to play everything like man. So even in our cover two, I'm a little bit different. Um, I'm, I'm what I call a unicorn in the sense that even in our uh, cover two scheme, just if it's base camp rules, base alignment, uh, we're going to play head up to inside on cover two. We're not going to let you get the slant route. Uh, we're going to cut that off. Um, and we're going to, we're going to play, we're going to play coverage. We're going to play match. Uh, so quarters to me, you're, you're either pressing the guy and it's a soft press uh, and, and you have mod rules, which is man outside deep. Um, or you're playing four lock where if you press him that he's, he's on, you have number one, which is Meg man everywhere he goes. Um, and so that's where you get the differences of like a mod and a, a mod quarters and a Meg quarters, which or what a lot of people refer to as four lock and then just regular quarters um, in mod coverage. And in that technique, the corner is going to be six yards inside shade. He's basically playing off man. Um, unless that guy goes underneath right now uh, and, then I, I pretty much have him man to man. Um, and I'm trying to, to cap any vertical route. Uh, safety is at 10 yards. He's, he's what, uh, what I call step off. So all these, every, even the corner has a read step. We're looking for quick game. Uh, and that's keeping those, those toes in the ground, being able to plant. So um, I, I like my corners to be open, uh, not butt to sideline. Um, you know, your shoulders are your, your rudders. And if your shoulders are square, then you can play man. If your shoulders are parallel with with the with the sideline, then then you're playing basketball, uh, and you're gonna it's you're gonna get beat on posts and you're gonna beat on slants. And so even in our off man technique, uh, we're we're keeping a, a, an open hit because I want that transition to the vertical to be there, but also I want those shoulders square so we have that two way go that I could plant on either foot and drive either down or drive up for that vertical route. Uh, and then obviously holding that inside leverage. Safety, like I said, is going to be a 10 yards inside shade of the slot to start with, and he's going to do what I just call a step off. And all that is is a, you're going to push off with the front foot and just take a, a six-inch step and replace, step and replace, step and replace before you get into your pedal. And we really want to do that so that we can read the mesh. Even in quarters, we want to, run, we want to read number two because two is going to tell us what we need. Uh, if the slot goes vertical, I know I've got the vertical one. If the slot goes in, I know I've got man on one. If the slot comes out, I know I'm going to I'm gonna hug number one, looking for the wheel route and, and bring him to the safety. So for me, you know, that because that's always the question I get is, well, what do you do if you get wheel? What do you do if they switch? Well, we want zone eyes. And zone eyes gives us a chance to uh, switch off the rub routes, even in quarters. Um, and I think, finally, it's just it, quarters to me, is again it's it's just kind of like a, a looser man and you've got an overhang or an outside linebacker that's really going to help you with number two and, and in in the quarters you can either have the outside linebacker push with two and that's kind of that uh, mod concept or you're going to have uh, the safety take it 
and that's a meg concept because now that's tighter where every the safety's playing man on two and he's going to push with two and then the corner's obviously going to take number one everywhere he goes so that's kind of the difference between four and four lock on uh, the cover two side of things so what i call two read corner now is going to be more of a square look because we got to be able to plant and drive if we get anything out out by the by number two and we're going to collision and carry what I call catch coverage on number one. So if we get two verticals, I'm going to catch and, and carry number one. Safety now takes a couple steps back. Still going to take the same read steps, still going to line inside. But his rule, and really it's the safety, he's got to be able to get to number one. If number one were to run an outside release fade route, can I get to him? If I can get to him, then we can run cover two. If I can't get to him, we're just going to check quarters. Uh, so I don't live in one coverage, and I don't I don't really make calls during the game because the kids the kids adjust for by the formation from game plan. That's a nice segue to my next question, which was going to be talking about cover four and cover two. There, are you using those as an every down scheme, or are you also implementing you know cover three, cover one, cover zero type things? Yeah, so we actually we're so split field. We don't even spin the cover three. Um, if we send six, we're just going to play man. Uh, and then when we send five, we play what I call half field zone. And if you're interested in that and you have a coach tube account, I put a, I have a course on coach tube about half field zone and how to do it from a quarter set. So like if you're living in quarters, you always want to give that quarter structure at the beginning of the snap. And so even when we send five, we're going to play man to the blitz and we're going to play zone away from it. Uh, and because that allows us to keep that too high shell, I want to look static for the most part prior to the snap. I don't want people to know what we're doing. So anytime it, last year, we kind of dealt with that where every time that we blitzed, we were spinning to cover three. Well, the moment that we spun to cover three and we put somebody in the middle of the field, everybody knew we were blitzing. Uh, and so um, to me, we run quarters. Uh, that's our base coverage. And then two read would probably be our secondary coverage because that's how we're, we're reacting to the splits of the receivers. Sure. Um, we're coming to the end of the interview, but I'm really interested. I think this is what a lot of listeners want to know is when it comes to, to practicing this. So, so we're, we're all pretty good at being able to draw things on the whiteboard, but what are some of the things that you're doing at practice with high school athletes um, that gets this scheme taught to them efficiently and gets them performing quickly and effectively so my when i teach quarters i give them what i call the speed in the face drill so we're going to line up off man and i'm going to give you a fade or a post and 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 for the safeties you're going to get a, a seam a post or a corner and so that departure speed is so important in that quarter scheme because if you get two verticals it turns into man um, and so from there, we go to what I call my 2v2 games. So what I take is I take our, our top routes that we saw the year prior. Uh, and then I'm going to compile them into about the top 10 routes ran from a two-receiver formation. And I'm going to run those routes uh, against us. And, and I'm going to put the splits in there as well. So the kids have to react off the split and they have to react off of the route. So first they have to get lined up and the safety has to tell the corner what the coverage is. And then they have to recognize the route. And we do this all without the outside linebackers. And we do that because I, 
when, again, when we go half field zone stuff, like when we go pressure, five man pressures, they've got to be able to know how to defend these routes without an overhang. And so that it kind of feeds into that. You're building that part into it. So we can play man match. We can play zone match just depending on uh, what we're doing from there. That's when you add the half line. So like in before you were talking about the university of Florida, anybody that runs quarters is going to run half line because now you're bringing in the overhang and you usually are bringing in the mic because the mic is the one that always pushes to three. So even if you're a three, four team, you're usually sending somebody. So you just go ahead and whoever's away from the back, that's where you play your games. Uh, and so then you, you learn how to develop your coverages off of that. And you just, again, it's the same routes. You just did the routes two V two. Then the kids see them with an overhang. And then from there you go into seven on seven uh, or your pass scale. And so now you get the whole field, everybody's working together, everybody's communicating together. And I think if you're going to do a true split field, you need to split the field and you need to play half line. Uh, from people that I've talked to that have been covered three guys and they moved the quarters, the biggest thing that has helped them is to do the half line uh, and break it down by half field. Put the ball on the hash, let your field guys work, and then move to the, let your boundary guys work. Uh, and, then and then kind of rotate the hash every other day. Um, or if you have like a 10 minute period, go five minutes on one hatch, five minutes on the other hatch, but your boundary play it also keeps your boundary players in the boundary and your field players on the field. Uh, and then you've already got the routes that you need to work. You just need to run the routes that you know you're going to see. And then, and then getting that on tape, if you can, and, and kind of going over it with the kids, that's to me, getting them to call it and defend it and then work through that has been, uh, the best way uh, of teaching the quarters process. Excellent. And last question. We talked about recruitment earlier and um, trying to get players into your program and talking about culture and things like that. From a scheme point of view, you know you're running this this type of defence and obviously having the right defensive backs and linebackers is super important to making this effective. If you were presented, and I presume that you are at a high school level, presented with a, a group of players of all different shapes and sizes and athleticism, what are some of the things that you're looking for in defensive backs and, and linebackers and safeties? Uh, and how do you go about identifying those um, in order to select them to play in the defensive backfield? Well, first of all, they've got to be able to uh, backpedal. I, um, I think we, we kind of all just assume that everybody can do it. And I've, I've found more or less that being, backpedal is a skill that is, a, that is really hard. Uh, and it takes a lot of body control. Um, so from the moment I, I, we started looking at guys who can, who can backpedal and then guys that can transition. Uh, can you flip your hips? Can you run? Um, it's okay if you're a little rigid, um, but can you run? Uh, can you flip your hips and then run? Can you transition out of it? We can work with hip flexibility and I can do some things technique wise to help you out uh, to keep your hips open. Um, but when you do open them, can you turn it on? I think that's kind of the key. Um, you know, I've, I've dealt with kids that, uh, couldn't, couldn't run at all. And how do you run quarters out of that? And how do you run, man? I mean, you're, you know, to me, if you run cover three, you've isolated four guys. If you run quarters, you at least are pushing everything out. Uh, and so for me, uh, you just need guys that, that are, that are technicians and, and, and really just focus on working on the footwork. Uh, and then eventually the scheme will come because remember quarters is going to end up at as like man at some point. And so you really want to work those DB fundamentals every day 
Um, we do uh, what I call daily musts, which are our line drills. Uh, and, and you can find those on matchquarters.com uh, under the DB resource page. Um, and, and really, it's just going through every motion that you're going to need during games and, and repping that and doing it, doing it uh, as close to perfection as you can and close as game speed as you can. And then from there, transitioning to working some footwork drills. Um, what I've found is hex rings really give kids uh, and you can find these on Amazon. I know I, I, they're not very expensive um, and it's not, it's kind of like a speed ladder, but they're these little rings and it really gives uh, the kids uh, more of a sense of where their feet are in relation to their body. Cause young DBs want to get their feet wide, everything hands out wide. You know, if you bring your hands out, your feet come out. Uh, and that has been tremendous uh, for, for my guys. And I have an example of some of those drills on uh, match quarters, YouTube channel. So if you're interested in that, you can find that on match quarters, YouTube channel. Um, but I just think find ways to work technique and work fundamentals and the scheme will come. Uh, their understanding of the scheme will come because at the end of the day, you got to be able to play man in terms of linebackers, you know, your nickels got to be like a, let's say, um, he's got to be able to play a safe. Like if, if somebody were to get hurt and you need to put him at safety, he would at least survive at safety. And I think that's kind of the thing. You don't necessarily have to have a, a, a third corner or another safety. Um, you need somebody that can be physical at, at the point of a tag, but can also play a little bit of coverage. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. Your field safety is your best, your best cover safety. Uh, your field corner is your second corner. Your boundary safety is more more your bet. He's your better kind of. He's a biscuit away from being uh, being a nickel. And then your boundary corner's got to be your dog. So your best cover guy, you got to put him to the boundary. I'm a big field boundary guy in terms of alignment. Excellent. Thanks, Coach. Um, appreciate you taking the time out to to talk to us about this. Some great information there. I always like to give our our coaches an opportunity to plug their social media handles and obviously it's a good opportunity for you to talk about your your website and your book so uh, how can coaches get a hold of you uh, on twitter and other social media yeah so you can find me on twitter the handle is at the underscore coach underscore a i leave my dm open so if you have questions uh, just go ahead and shoot them to me i try and get i try and get back to you in a timely ma uh, fashion uh, you can always find me at matchquarters.com I've got a tremendous amount of articles and it's not just about quarters. I talk really about any, about anything. Um, if you go, if you go to match quarters and it's kind of, you don't want to scroll through everything. If you go to uh, the links tab, I've basically created a table of contents in there. Uh, and then finally I've written three books on defense. If you're interested in the quarter stuff and really, if you want to learn kind of the language, I would start with my last book, which is self-titled match quarters. Uh, that kind of teaches you my language and my thought process and everything that we, we uh, talked about today goes in detail, coaching points, diagrams, anything that you might need. Uh, once you're done with that, then if you want to learn more about defensive structure, uh, cautious aggression, which was my first book, is really a, a kind of my, how I learned to defend, uh, de how I learned to run defense, really uh, defending the top offense, uh, one of the offensive minds ever in our, in our Bryles. Uh, and then my second book, Hybrids, uh, kind of goes through a uh, timeline of how a modern defense came and then what defense is looking like as we go into the future. So uh, if you're kind of into more of that and want kind of a history lesson on defensive football, that book uh, is there. And, and uh, so 
cautious aggression hybrids and, and match quarters. So I've got tons of different ways that you can find me. You can find me on YouTube under match quarters. I have my own page. I have a lot of mini clinics and then uh, clinics over a lot of the things that we talked about. Like, and I think I've referenced a few of them uh, as we talked today. Excellent. And just on your, on your books, are they available on Amazon or is it a specific website? Yes. Yeah, so I have links to that on matchquarters.com, but you can also find my books on Amazon and they do ship to the UK. I know I've had several coaches from the UK uh, talk to me uh, and I always enjoy, you know, uh, any, any way I can help to grow the game. I mean, I love this game. So any way I can help grow the game in Europe or, or do anything like that and help you guys out, uh, you know, I'm, I'm down for that. So uh, to the guys in, in, the UK that I've talked to, you know, I really appreciate them and their support and they've been kind of with me since day one. Brilliant. Thanks coach. I'll let you get on and I uh, appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you again to coach Cody Alexander for taking the time to talk to us today about the quarters defense. I encourage all coaches to reach out to him to discuss further as he is always keen to help other coaches and consider investing in his material. Thank you for listening and see you soon for another BAFCA coaching podcast episode.